Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. Here, we'll be exploring the people side of successful businesses, careers, and lives. We all have a story to share, and there's something to be learned in every story. Join us to learn from authors, business leaders, thought leaders, and people just like you to uncover the latest ideas, resources, and tools to help you become more effective at work and life. As it turns out, the secret to success is cultivating winning relationships. Business is personal and relationships matter. strategist who goes beyond feel-good content and provides real-life deliverables that impact lives. He's worked with more than 1,800 organizations in 49 countries, and if that wasn't enough, he is the author of 10 books and three online courses with LinkedIn Learning. Today, we're going to be talking about Be The Spark, the five platinum service principles to create customers for life. But before we get to that, Simon shared with me that, in fact, his proudest achievement is being father to his two young adult children, Daniel and Madison. So, Simon, welcome to People First. Thank you so much. So good to be with you. I'm really excited for our conversation, but before we dive into Be The Spark, I want to go back to your origin story, because People First is about the journey, the leadership journey that we're all on, and certainly what I've learned in my career is it's a winding path. So go back to when you were a young adult, like Daniel and Madison, and I'm curious, what did you think you were going to be? What did you hope to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a TV host, just like Brian Gumbel and Jane Pauley. I grew up watching the Today Show. Whenever I would see Brian Gumbel, I'm like, I want to be just like him. <laughs> so that's interesting. I mean, I suppose you're on the little screen for me now, so that's pretty close. So yeah. what was the pivot point then that took you from TV host to um, the work that you do today around customer experience? Yeah, so I worked for Disney, and it took me two years to get hired, 10 interviews, and a 10-page psychological analysis from Gallup. And I guess they figured out that I wasn't going anywhere. And after joining the organization and working in four different positions, they sent me to Paris to design a leadership program for 1,000 leaders on a Barclays Bank out of London. Mm -hmm. And while I was there in Paris, in Paris, Lion King had just come out. And I said, remember who you are. You are more than what you have become. And literally, that changed the trajectory of my career in a good way. And uh, that's how I got on this path. Good to know you've always got the backup plan of voiceover artists for the next Disney Pixar movie, too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. All right. So the book we're going to talk about today, as I said, is called Be the Spark, the five platinum service principles to create customers for life. So what was the inspiration behind Be the Spark? Yeah, our team looked at the 1800 organizations that we had worked with over the last uh, 10 years or so, asking ourselves, what do we see? What are the similarities? What are the connecting points between all these companies? Doesn't matter what industry they're in. And what we discovered, it's generally a man or a woman who has decided to be the spark, that they show up every single day, the organization has transferred psychological ownership to them, and they go the extra inch and create an experience that is, that is second to none. 
So it's the individual. It's not just the brand that matters. Then it's the heart and soul that each of us brings to a customer or a client interaction. Yes. Men and women that have the spark have an internal alignment of head, heart, and hands. And as they're serving the customer, they're making the customer feel so important because they recognize it's not about me, but it's about we. And when we connect with the customer, they know that this is an experience that they can't get anywhere else. I love that phrase. We talk about me to we in Cultivate, my first book. And the irony is that in much of our grade school experience, and even a little bit now in university, it's all about me, me versus the exam board. Can I graduate in the top X percent of my class? And yet when we enter into the world of work, whether it's as a solopreneur or a large organization like Disney, it's all about the we. We cannot be successful individually unless we're also paying attention to the success of our colleagues and the clients who are ultimately benefiting or taking advantage of the service or the widget that we're manufacturing. Yes, absolutely. And when you have that experience, you know that the person is really in it for the greater good of the organization, but more importantly, the person that they're serving. All right. So how do I know if I'm a spark? You talk about five platinum service principles. Where do I start to find out if I'm a spark or where I need to perhaps get the pilot light going? Yeah. So we have to start with, do you work a job? Or do you go to work? Because if you work a job, a job stands for just overboard. Uh, a job is employment. But when you go to work, you realize work is about deployment. And when you deploy yourself into something that you love and it makes you come alive, you literally light the spark from the inside out. So that's where you have to start. Is this a job or is it work? It goes back to engages the heart. And as you and I know, it, emotions are infectious. So if I'm excited about coming to work, it helps boys up others and build more sparks. But if I'm frustrated and, ugh, it's Monday, then yeah. that is also going to infect others and potentially bring the motivation and engagement down. That's it. So there's something that is talked about by psychologists called mood management. So when you're in a great mood, your positive mood, to your point, rubs off on others. But when you're in a bad mood, it has the same type of impact. So what do you do to, to stay in a good mood or at least recognize when you're in a bad mood? How do you turn the dial down on that, Simon? I think you have to, first of all, really get in touch with where did I lose the spark and what story am I telling myself and how do I tell myself a different story by changing the language and, and what's going on in my head? and literally just interrupting it immediately with something that causes me to shift and embrace a new mindset. I like that. I'll come back to that later on with one of my questions. It's perkling at the back of my mind. So the first principle mm -hmm. is to see your customers, clients, whatever you call them, colleagues, internal customers, as guests. So tell me a little bit more about this principle. So when you see them as guests, it's really recognizing that every guest that enters into any experience, either virtual or in person, they have a specific need or expectation. And when you begin to dial into what's most important to them, you literally begin to shape that experience 
based on where they are. And it's not about a transaction, but it's about a relationship. So it's asking questions. It's gesturing. It's really uh, bringing your language uh, to a level that they connect with. So you're not talking faster or talking slower, but you're modeling where they are. And that's when people know, wow, I've been seen, I've been heard, and I matter in this moment. Yes, yeah, like you know that you're cared for versus you want a widget, here's a widget. And then yes. it's a start-stop relationship when they, when you care and feel heard to your point, then there's a connection that can sustain and last the lifetime that you talk about. Yeah. So then that moves to that second principle of personalize the, expect, uh, the experience. So tell me how do I do that? How do I truly do that, especially if I'm in a widget type environment where it's a box. How do I personalize the experience? So personalized experience is dialing into where you are in the moment in that experience. There's a lot of research that talks about the customer journey and what they're discovering. You have to follow the journey from the beginning to the end, not just steps along the way. So for example, when we were going to print with the book, be the spark. Melissa said, wait a minute, you got to hear this story. Her girlfriend had received her monthly subscription of dog food from Chewy.com. Well, she forgot to cancel the subscription because her dog had passed away. So she called the 800 number and the yeah. person at Chewy.com, as you can imagine, they're empathetic, yeah. sorry for your loss. And guess what? We will refund your money. You don't have to send the, the subscription food back. You keep it. Well, she thought that was the end of the transaction. Mm -hmm. But the next day, the doorbell rang, and there was a person with flowers and a sympathy card from, you guessed it, oh. Chewy.com. That's personalization in a nutshell. Because now she said, I'm not just a, a, a person who pays a subscription mm -hmm. and I cancel it. They see me as a person. And the next time she gets a pet, where do you think she's going to go? She's going to go straight back to them. And as a in-between pet, I'm between dogs right now. That just tugs at my heartstrings. And I love what it was. It was the humanizing yes. of what is a business transaction. And exactly. that's what makes a huge difference. Yes. Right, so what's the third principle? The third principle is after I personalize the experience, how do I begin to anticipate the needs of the customer? So one of the opportunities I had when I left Disney, I had a chance to present for the Ritz-Carlton Learning Institute. And everything that Ritz-Carlton is about is about what I would call anticipatory service. So the moment you pull up to a Ritz-Carlton, you're greeted by a doorbell. And you walk into the hotel, and by the time you hit the front desk, the person is calling your name, and you're like, wait a minute, how do they know my name? Because it's anticipating how do they take your breath away from the very first moment. And it's that anticipatory mindset that Ritz-Carlton has really separated itself from everyone else. Yeah, I've heard great stories. And when I, in the olden days, when you and I traveled, no doubt, had yeah. the opportunity to stay in many different hotel chains. And it's interesting how those little details really matter. Mm -hmm. And it, there isn't necessarily a lot of differentiation between what happens between the front door and check-in. But there is when you actually look back and reflect on the experience of what did that make me feel like? 
did it make me feel like just another person in room 101 or did it make me feel like Ms. Barrett or Morag, welcome back, enjoy your time in our city? And that's the one that makes a customer, a loyal customer for life. I liked about um, your keynotes and the book is the stories and anecdotes that bring these principles to life. So we've talked about see, see your clients and customers as guests. We've talked about personalizing the experience and anticipating and uncovering needs. Which is your favorite story for the fourth principle, the respond with immediate and appropriate service? Yeah, my favorite story and example is... Uh responding immediately when something goes wrong is I was in Los Angeles a few years ago with my two young adults. They were teenagers at the time. And we are at the Delta airline counter at LAX airport. And because I've been flying Delta for almost 30 years, I get upgraded both myself and my daughter. And Daniel, uh, my son, her brother has to sit back and coach. So, you know, I'm feeling like dad of the year because my daughter is like, dad, you are a rock star. You're yeah. awesome. So the boarding door is about to close. And just before it closes, the Delta agent comes on and he says, Mr. Bailey, I'm sorry. I need to move you and your daughter back to coach. And my daughter looked at me like, really, dad, you are such a loser. Just when I thought I was going to be on this five hour flight in first class, we're bounced back to coach. So we're walking back to coach and Daniel sees us come in. He's like, come on back to nosebleed. Come on back. So we're sitting there and I was a little bummed out. I was like, okay, not sure what happened. Well, the Delta agent, Justin, came to me, said, Mr. Bailey, I apologize. I did not close out of first class. And two people walked up and bought two full fare first class tickets. Mm -hmm. And because for a free upgrade, you and your daughter, I had yep. to move you back to coach. But when you land in Orlando, we uh, you will be met by a gate agent, and we're going to take care of you and make this right. And what I really appreciated is that he owned it. It just wasn't something that was swept under the rug. He owned it. He responded immediately so I didn't have to stew for five hours and, and write a blog about it. And I ended up writing a blog about it entitled what losing my first class seat taught me about delta airlines very positive uh, yeah. article that we put in linkedin it has over one hundred thousand views because i tell the story of what he specifically did and how other companies can do the same so how do other companies create a culture where justin or whoever the gate agent is feels empowered to make that decision well, first of all, you have to teach them financial intelligence. Uh, when they understand how a dollar is made by the organization, all of a sudden they begin to say, if I take care of this customer now, it will drive revenue later. I shouldn't have to go to my manager to ask for permission to replace the falling ice cream cone uh, in the middle of July at a theme park. So the moment they understand financial intelligence and you transfer ownership to them, they will realize if I hear it, I own it. That's the first thing. The second thing is recognize your team members for what they do right instead of what they do wrong. Mm -hmm. So if you want to embed this type of culture, then people know this is the right way to go about uh, addressing a customer issue, then that embedded learning and behavior now becomes more a part of the norm than getting the tap on the shoulder by management to say you didn't do it right. 
But I think the third way is to also coach people and say, here's a better approach, or here's a way to edit your word choice and to think about what the experience is for the customer by walking a mile in their shoes. So when you begin to really simulate different experiences for individuals, then they begin to realize that being responsive is not just another thing to do, but it is a way of true sustainable business. I love that. And it brings to mind, I was reading an article about the stage play War Horse. I don't know if you've seen it, um, but it has huge animatronic um, horses, two of them on the stage, and it's set in the First World War. Well, the article I was reading was they were moving it from um, uh, London to China. And so a new set of actors who are operating the animatronic horse were having to learn how to control it. And from memory, I think there are seven actors. You know, there's one on the head, they're doing the ears, there's one on each leg, there's one in the body. And they were talking about mistakes because I think far too often companies and leaders Mm -hmm. treat mistakes as an opportunity if not to punish, then to guide assertively. Yes. And in the article, they talked about um, the interviewer was saying, well, I'm sure you're making a lot of mistakes as you learn the, the new script and the new, the new um, steps, etc." And the reply was, no, we're making beautiful mistakes. Wow. And I That's love it because it's in, it, it removes the fear of recrimination to yes. let's make a beautiful mistake. And to your point, then let's learn from it and celebrate. How could I have said that better? What other options were open for me so that everybody can learn and see what responding with an immediate and appropriate service looks like in this company, looks like in this environment? Exactly. So it brings me to the fifth, the fifth of uh, the principles, which is to keep them loyal through acts of kindness. So tell me again, acts of kindness, is that the you continually get upgraded now on Delta? No. <laughs> I wish that was the case when we know when we go back to flying one day. So what's interesting about this last principle, and it's really the glue for the entire Spark mindset, During this COVID-19, I've had to go to one of my favorite restaurants to order takeout. And this particular time when I went to order takeout, uh, the general manager has gotten to know me over the last decade or so. So whenever she sees me, especially now, how's your family doing? How are you dealing with the whole global pandemic? So I take the bag uh, where the takeout is, put it in the car, head back home. Well, we open the bag. And we realized there's this little box. So we're like, what was that? Well, in the box was four square pecan Godiva chocolate uh, muffins, right? And it was so surprise. And just a note, thank you so much for your patronage, right? That's kindness because we had paid our bill, but she gave a little something extra for nothing. And it was that, and even we had ordered some beverages, some non-alcoholic beverages, and she had included an extra one in there, in the bag. And we're like, oh my goodness. It's those little acts of kindness is why I continue to patronize the restaurant and continue to tell others about it. Yeah, I mean, the story you told about Chewy.com reinforces it because the sending of the card might have been enough. Card and flowers is over and above. And it links to what you said, uh, how do you create a culture of employees who 
feel empowered to do this is it's teaching them the financial acumen because what's the cost of an extra bottle? What's the cost of those four muffins? Negligible on the repeat of the X dollars that you're going to spend for family meals or bringing guests next time we're traveling and in town together. That's Mm -hmm. powerful. So I know the book is called Be the Spark, Five Platinum Service Principles to Create Customers for Life. But it seems to me that these principles would apply to creating employees for life. Have you seen companies starting to think about the employee experience and applying the, the same concepts there? Yeah, you totally read my mind. I was just about to say your number one customer is your employee first. Because if your employee feels taken care of, valued, celebrated, cherished, know that they really matter, that they're, they're not just an, a social security number in the HR payroll system, but they are really seen as a human being, then all of a sudden they transfer that spark experience to every customer because they feel like they matter. Oh, I, I, I love it. I love it. So you mentioned COVID-19, and of course, we are all learning to work differently. So how does the impact of customer relationships through the interwebs change the, the balance of the principles or change how I implement them? Yeah, so in a world where now there is a lot more virtual interaction, we have to be very mindful of how we take the principles and still use them, but connect in the way people want to be connected and reached. Uh, for those who are not virtual, they may be on the phone or text. So in our communication, which are all touch points, how are we showing up to still be the spark? So the principles will work. We just have to kind of reset them for the, the world that we're in now. Mm-hmm. So as we come towards the end of our time together, Simon, what are the the final thoughts that you'd like listeners or watchers of the YouTube to take away from this conversation as they consider the customers in their lives? Yeah, so number one, create a culture where everyone matters. Number two, connection with your team members will ultimately create a better connection with your employees. And number three, never forget to hug people with your words. And when you hug them with your words, even if it's an intense conversation, they still believe that they were heard, they were understood, and that together we can find a solution that is a win, win, win. They win, you win, and the organization wins. Thank you, Simon. So how can people find out more about your in-person and virtual keynotes, workshops, and programs? Yeah, just go to Simon T, T like terrific, simontbailey.com, and everything's right there. And I will make sure that those are put into the show notes below. Simon, I have so enjoyed our conversation today. I look forward to ongoing opportunities where our paths cross, and I wish you and your family every health in these interesting times. Thank you, and same to you. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.